Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Now this morning, um, we're not starting with a new sermon series. We're not um, doing something specific. But I want to do something, a once-off sermon that I really, God's been speaking to me about. And it, well, you never know, it might become two or three of them. Because it's such a rich topic that I want to speak about this morning. Now, the topic, well, before I get to the topic this morning, let me, let me first give you a backdrop of what I want to speak about today. And, and I want to start out with a question uh, to all of us. The question is, have you ever experienced something in your life that was reversed? That went into reverse, like, um, like a reverse payment on, your, on, a, on a debit order that went off that shouldn't, that shouldn't gone off, but, but then you're just like, oh goodness, that money couldn't go out of my account. You'd contact the bank and they reverse the debit order so the money is back in your account. Something like that. Or maybe a traffic fine. I don't know if some of you had a traffic fine being reversed. Anyone? Is it just me here? Oh, thank you, Therese. I'm not the only bad apple here. <laughs> now, I, I remember, just, just to, to, to bring it into the clear, I remember one day I rushed out of the house and, uh, and I grabbed um, the car that my wife, Salome, used for the kids and we have a family car and I grabbed the car and I just used the car to drive quickly and I said, listen, I'll be back in an hour, but I forgot she had to go somewhere, so she had to take the little ministry car we had but I forgot that in the family car was a wallet and everything, and, and so I was gone with it. And she used a little car, and as she drove out of our estate, the traffic police uh, pulled her over. And, um, and what they always do is like, ma'am, can we have your driver's license? And she's like, well, I don't have my license. My husband left with it. And the guy said, well, sorry, I can't do anything about that, but it's a 2000 and fine, you know. And, and uh, so <laughs> I says, and you're not allowed to drive. Somebody has to come and fetch you because you don't have a driver's license. Now, now at the end of long story short, he, he said, listen, it's fine, you can go. And um, when I got home, oh man, it was, <laughs> she was not a happy camper. <laughs> I don't know about you. She was not happy. And I thought, ooh, okay, I'm, I'm definitely in trouble with this time. So I took that ticket and I thought, oh, Lord, how am I going to pay this thing? I mean, this is not the best time of month that I need to, I mean, I can pay this. And so I, I, I prayed about it. I said, Lord, will you please do a miracle? Just please do. Have you ever done that? That's it. You've been, Lord, I, I've, I've made the mistake. This is my problem. It's not your problem, Lord, but please, can you do a miracle for me? And I put the ticket somewhere in my, file, flip, in my files and I forgot about it. And some, I mean, I don't know, sometimes you do something and I was busy in the garden and it's just this, this light bulb goes on. It's like, ooh, that ticket. Where, I wonder. And I mean, that's my two months afterwards. And I rushed to my, th- and I found a ticket and I saw, oh yes, the date to appear in court is tomorrow. <laughs> and I thought, I said, honey, <clears throat> you, you need to appear in court tomorrow. <laughs> and and they, I, if you think she was not happy in the first time when she got the ticket, I mean, was <laughs> Then what happened is I, I started reading through the, the ticket and I prayed and I said, Lord, please just give me a, a, just, just something here. And I read and I saw, saw by miracle, I saw it. I mean, and the, the traffic officer, bless her, she didn't write very neat. But I saw that she had the make of my car wrong. I had an Opel and she said Mazda. And I thought, well, well that's a, a good point, Lord. Maybe this is a miracle. So I called the traffic department and said, no, you have to go and, and go to the municipal court just 
around a corner here. So I went there and I was like, and you know, the traffic people are very, yes, ticket. And I said, no, I think you made a mistake here, ma'am. So sorry. And she looked at it and she looked at it again. And she looked at it and she said, I'll be back now. And she left. And I thought, oh. I mean, I'm praying, you know, I was like, Lord, please, <laughs> I'd rather make debt and pay the money than let my wife go to, to court, you know. And she came back, and she's like, the fine is reversed, and she scraped it. And I, I walked out there, and I thought, man, is that, I mean, I feel so powerful at the moment, you know. <laughs> I feel so, suddenly, my debt has been reversed. Isn't that amazing? I love it when, that, when stuff like that happens. Now, when, when evil be turned to good, now, I'm not saying the traffic department is evil. I'm not saying that. They're doing their job. But, but have you ever experienced that when something has been reversed that was staring you in the face? It's almost like that, that bad team, that black team always winning. And we want them to start losing. And then you get to a World Cup final and suddenly the team starts winning. The, the power is being reversed. We actually... We, it was a year this week, a year since the Springboks won the World Cup. And it was such an amazing moment when, when power is being reversed. Isn't it? Am I talking to someone here this morning? Just do something. Great. Now the definition for, for the word reverse, and I'm going to get to my topic now. The word reverse, if you reverse something, it's not just reversing your car out of the garage. It is said the following, the, the, the dictionary says the following, it says, to make something the opposite of what it was. The opposite of what it was. But, and I know we all know that. To make something the opposite, I'm, I'm here, I'm going to reverse there. But there's, there's a second definition that actually says the following. It says, to exchange the position or the function of two things. I love that. To exchange the position or the function of two things. So I'm exchanging my position and my function with that thing. And I become... What they, I mean, you, you, you get what I'm saying. Now, my theme of my sermon this morning, or what I want to speak on, is the following. I hope you can see that the projector is not very... But I want to speak out about power being reversed. Power reversed. Power reversed. Now, I'm going to get into that, and you're going to see what I'm speaking about. Now, there's so many instances in the Word of God where, where God did just this, where there was a reversal of power. It was a reversal of power. The Old Testament, we see a few of them. Gideon came in the Old Testament and he took 300 men and he defeated 100,000 men without even lifting a sword. 100,000. It's one of the amazing stories. Moses led two plus million people out of Egypt, came to a sea. And behind them was Egyptians coming to kill them and they couldn't go anywhere, and God opened the sea. They went through, and the Egyptians wanted to come and kill them. The power, they were killed in the sea. God reversed the power. Then David, standing in front of a giant, a champion, not just a giant, a champion, never been defeated. A 14-year-old boy came with the power, and the power of God said, today, God's reversing the power. And within a minute, his head was severed. You see, the, the, the Old Testament is full of stories where God came and he reversed power that we thought, this is the power, but God said, uh-uh, this is not. 
This is not. Now, in the book of Daniel, we see a story, and I want to build a bit of a foundation of where I'm going this morning. And I'm not going to be too long, but I want to build a foundation of a, of a story in the book of Daniel. We all know the story so well, but this story is a prophetic picture of what was to come. It's a prophetic picture. It's a story about King Nebuchadnezzar, who made a gold statue, guess what, of himself. Of himself. <laughs> Of everything you can make a gold statue of, let's make one of myself. Think about it. Why? Because he wanted the people to worship him. He wanted the people to worship him. And, and there were three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, Meshach, Meshach and Ab, Ab, Abednego. I always think Afrikaans. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were three men that says, Hi, corner. That's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. We will not worship you. Some of the other wise men in the country came to the king and said, listen, there's three guys from the Jewish slaves that you had that, that's actually overseeing parts of Babylon. They would not bow when the worship music starts. And they did not bow before your statue. And the king was furious. I mean, he was furious. Why? <laughs> because he had a power trip. He was on a power trip, this king. He wanted power through recognition. Isn't that amazing? Does it sound familiar? There's so many people, if you go through life and you see people want power through recognition. They want security through recognition in life. And that's exactly where the king was. He was so insecure that he made himself a gold statue 30 meters high. That's, that's quite big. 30 meters high, 10 meters wide of himself to say, I'm so insecure, I want you to worship me. My statue of the worship music starts. It's amazing what comes through worship. Isn't that amazing? Now listen to what he said. In, in Daniel 3, 3 Daniel, if this thing works, 3 Daniel 15, it says the following. He says, I will give you one more chance to bow down. Now he's talking to the three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He says, I will give you one more chance to bow down and worship the statue I have made. When you, sorry, when you hear the sound of the music, musical instruments. But if you refuse, you will be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace. And then, what God will be able to rescue you from my power? <laughs> Isn't that amazing? I mean, that's like, I've got the power. And you will bow before my power. Now, if that's not insecurity, if that's not a looking for recognition, I don't know. Now, this was a real threat. This was a king who's got real power who really could kill you. And I stood there and I said, sorry, man. Sorry, king. This is not going to happen. This is not going to happen. They said in, 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 in verse 16, they said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. And I love this last part. He said, he will rescue us from what? From your power. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? He will rescue us from your power. And then they even went on and they said in the next, chapter, the next verse, they said, even if our God does not save us, we will still not bow down to you. We will still not bow down to you. Even if my God doesn't come through. Now, I love this. If you look at verse 19, look at what the king, King Nebuchadnezzar, was so furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that his face became distorted with rage. Have <laughs> you ever seen that? Then he commanded that the furnace be heated seven times hotter than usual. Seven times. Then he ordered some of the strongest men of his army 
to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing fire. Even had all their clothes put on, all their clothes put on them, bound them up, and then threw them into the furnace. Let's just go on. So they tied them up and threw them into the furnace, fully dressed in all their pants, turbans, robes, and other garments. And because the king, in his anger, had demanded such a hot fire in the furnace, the flames killed the soldiers as they threw the three men in. <laughs> so it was a hot fire. I mean, this is a hot fire. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, securely tied, fell into the roaring flames. But look what happened. But suddenly Nebuchadnezzar jumped up in amazement and exclaimed to his advisors, didn't we tie up three men and throw them into the furnace? Yes, your majesty, we certainly did, they replied. Look, Nebuchadnezzar said. Sorry, um, let me just, didn't we ask? So you see, look, Nebuchadnezzar shouted, I see four men. I see four men, unbound, walking around in a fiery, uh, in a fire, unharmed. And the fourth man, the fourth, looked like, looked like a god. Isn't that amazing? If you look at the Aramaic text, if you translate it directly from the Aramaic text, that scripture it actually says, he looks like the son of a God. He looks like the son of a God. Isn't that amazing? See, the purpose of this fire was to, it was to be an instrument to kill them. An instrument to kill them. That's what it was. It wasn't to heat them up for the winter. It wasn't to bry something. It was to kill them. That was the instrument it was used to be. But God came and reversed the function. He came and reversed the function and changed their position with the king. Remember what reversed it means? To change the position and the function of someone. So the king, this, God came and he, he changed the function of the furnace and the fire and changed their position in front of the king. Not only that, he changed a nation. He changed a nation towards God. Now there was a fourth man in a furnace. Man, I love this. I was a fourth man in a furnace and he looked like a God. And, it, and it, some of the scripture says it looked like the son of a God. Now I believe it was Jesus. I truly believe the scripture doesn't say it, but I believe it was Jesus, and this is why I believe this, because this was a prophetic miracle for what was to come centuries after. It was a prophetic miracle for, for thousands of years after that that was about to happen. Now you know where I'm going. If you're familiar with the world's major religions in the world, now I just want to I want to show you where I'm going. If you look at the major religions of the world, now I'm not saying all pagan religions, but if you look at the religions, they've got emblems and things like an emblem to, to identify themselves by. Now if you look at, say, Judaism, they've got a six-point star. If you look at Islam, they've got a, a, like a, a, a um, what do you call it, a crescent moon, isn't it? that they know themselves by. If you look at Buddhism, Buddhism has this local lotus blossom that they use. Now, this is all emblems of their religion. And, and all these symbols are attractive. It's attractive like a blossom is attractive, a, a half moon is attractive, a, a six-point star is attractive. And, and, but if you look at the emblem of Christianity, it's quite different. It's a cross. Now, if you look at the, the cross, the cross was an instrument of death. 
It was an instrument of death. It's like oh, We've got a different viewpoint of the cross today, but that day it was an instrument of death. It was what the Romans used to kill thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And it was probably one of the most brutal ways to kill someone. Now some people might find it strange that Christians use an emblem for our belief that the Romans used to kill people with. Do you, do, you, do you see where I'm going? Now, it's almost like this parents who struggled with their son, and he couldn't just get going in school. He struggled with his academics. He struggled with this, and they realized, okay, let's, there's a great Catholic school around the corner here. Let's send him to the Catholic school, this boarding house, and they send him there, and, and it seems like everything is going well, and after the first semester, they go and fetch him, and he brings his report card, and they say, oh, man, he, he's like fantastic with everything. But his math was off the charts good. Like he usually got struggled to get 50%. Now he's above the 80s. And his dad sat him down and said, say, little Johnny, what happened? Like, that is amazing. I mean, so how did you, is, do you have good teachers? And he said, dad, no. The first day I walked into that school and I saw that man nailed to that plus sign, I knew this guy's main serious business, eh? <laughs> So I knew I had to study. <laughs> Sorry, bad joke. Now for an unsaved person, for an unsaved person, this makes no sense to hang this emblem of death in our house or put it around our neck. It doesn't make sense. But it's almost like using a business card with a guillotine on or an electric chair. This is my business card. It's almost that, if you don't understand. Now, a hundred years after the cross, the Christians started using a, a, a sign of a fish to show who they are and that they are persons of faith. Because why? Because Christian, Christian faith was, was um, outlawed in that, kind of, in, in that time. And because it was outlawed, they couldn't use the cross or they couldn't speak about Jesus. And then about 150 years after Jesus, the cross came back, but it was an empty cross that they used. It wasn't a cross with Jesus on it. It was an empty cross. For me, it was such a great token that we serve a God who's not on the cross anymore. He's, he's off the cross. He's out of the grave and he's sitting at the right hand of God. But the cross is a token and a symbol of so much more. So much more. Now, we don't remember the cross as an instrument of death anymore. I don't know about you. We don't remember it as an instrument of death but we remembered it as a moment where God reversed the power of darkness to light. A moment where God reversed the power of sin to freedom. Where God reversed the power of law to grace and of death to life. There was that moment the enemy thought, we have him. We have Jesus. We have him. The instrument, he's hanging on the instrument of death. And God came, came and he said, Nope. Let's reverse it. Let's change the position and the function. And it will be remembered and known into its centuries, into, into generations. That's the instrument of grace and freedom. Now many believers still see the power of the cross through pictures in the children's Bible. Unfortunately. <laughs> they do. We don't realize that how powerful the cross is. We don't realize that how much, what, what an incredible powerful moment was that day when Jesus hung on that cross 
what released in the heavenlies. Now it was and it is still today and I think even more the essence and the foundation of the gospel. The essence and the foundation of what Jesus did. The good news. It was called the good news for a reason. Now unfortunately so many places where the gospel is presented today, I don't know where but I, I have a lot of conversations with people all over but, but it drives people more away from Jesus than towards him the way the gospel is shared. Why? And this is why. Instead of telling people what Jesus has done for them, they tell people what they need to do for Jesus. It's, it's that simple. It's that simple. Jesus has done everything for us. Everything. Now, if I can summarize it in a, like a sum, let's go, a sum, I would say the following. It says, faith in Jesus plus nothing equals total victory. But faith in Jesus plus anything else equals failure. Now I know it's a bold statement, but it comes to a place where we want to add to the cross by what I do. Sometimes. And then sometimes we miss the moment and that power of grace in our lives that says, I'm not saying you sit back and you do nothing and now Jesus has done everything. No, it doesn't give us a license to sin. It gives us a place of righteousness. That's what grace has given us. But when we want to add something to the cross, when we come and we, we say, I want to do this, I want to do this more, and I want to do that, and then God will forgive my sins. No, no, Jesus has already forgave your sin unto the end of, the, of, of everything. And if we remember this, it started changing our thinking of how, what Jesus really did on the cross. Faith in Jesus plus nothing equals absolute victory. There's nothing we can do extra to be forgiven. There's nothing we can do to be saved apart from what Jesus did on the cross. Now everything we, we thought we could, be, could do to be saved equals failure. I cannot save myself. We cannot save ourselves. Only what Jesus did on the cross. Now, Look at what Jesus said in Colossians 2, verse 14 and 15. He says, He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. Nailing it to the cross. I love that. In that way, in this way, He disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by His victory over them on the cross. Isn't that amazing? He nailed it to the cross. Look at what the Passion Translation, how it says this. It says, he canceled out every legal violation we had on our record and the old arrest warrant that stood to indict us. He raised it, our sins, our, our sins, our stained soul. He deleted it and they cannot be retrieved. Isn't that amazing? Then he says, everything we once were in Adam has been placed onto his cross and nailed permanently there as a public display of cancellation. Then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and all the principles. Remember what happened to King Nebuchadnezzar? Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego made a public spectacle of the king with that miracle. But Jesus said, then Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers, all the principles of principalities of darkness, stripping away from them every weapon and all their spiritual authority and power to accuse us. 
There was a reversal of power on the cross. There was a reversal of sin. There was a reversal of death on the cross. And when something is reversed, we don't want to go back. I don't go and when the traffic department said, listen, we want to reverse this traffic ticket, I drive back and said, listen, I really want to pay this. Is it okay if I pay this fine? No. We don't want to do that. There was a permanent reversal of death, of sin, into life and freedom. Isn't that a great scripture? Jesus made a public spectacle of all the powers and principalities of darkness. There's no power, no principality, no demon in hell that has more power than the name of Jesus. That's when we sing Jesus, it means that everything needs to bow its knee. There was something that powerful that was released on a cross that we sometimes don't get. We go through religious mindsets, religious things in our lives, and we read our Bible and we do this, but we never really realize what the power of the cross carried. See, Jesus came and re- reversed the power and authority that, that held us back from becoming sons of God. It held us back. You see, Jesus took an instrument of death and punishment and reserved its position and function, reversed its position and function so that in the cross, in the cross, we will have power on this earth to live free lives, to live lives with authority where I can pray for a sick person and they recover. The day I realized this, I prayed the following prayer and said, Father, if you say I can do greater things because you've done it on a cross, then I want to see greater things in my life. I want to pray for people. I want to see miracles in my life. I want to see things in my life. And sometimes you need to be careful what you pray for. Because <laughs> God is, is, he loves, he loves us asking things like that in our lives. I was driving one day to a, to a meeting with, with 70 rugby guys, and God says, well, you're having a Bible study with them. Why don't you pray for them for healing? And you all know the testimony. After that, I started, I did my Bible study, and I said, every, every one of you had an injury or something in your life that, that you can't play rugby or train, just stay afterwards. I want to pray for you. And all 70 sit, sat down. It's like, I said, okay, you can go and sleep. But those who are injured stay, and everybody stayed. And I thought, okay, I've got problems. Lord, please start with the easy one. Eh? <laughs> so I just, I just started, and I said, okay, knees, elbow, well, knees, back pain, shoulders. I just divided them in groups, and I went to the first guy, and he had a cracked patella, like a cracked kneecap. Like his kneecap was cracked. He couldn't walk. He did. And I put my hand on his knee and I just said, in the name of Jesus, I just command this, whatever is wrong, to be healed. And I said, okay, test it. And he had like verbanda around his knee, took everything off and he started shaking his knee like this, started running up and down. And everyone in the room had this big eyes. And it's like, okay, any next, me, next, me. God healed shoulders, hamstrings, torn hamstrings. A guy who couldn't, his AC was standing out like a bolt like this. And his AC literally, he, he could start showing or waving his arms again. And I drove away that evening and God said, Henny, never underestimate the power of the cross. Never underestimate what I released that day when I walked, when I was taking off that cross, when I walked out of that grave. Never underestimate the true power of what I have given you. Because you only play religious games and come to church and read your Bible and do this, you're going to miss the true power of what I have given you on this earth. 
And that's why we need to realize that there was a reversal of power in that moment from death to life. So what do I do when I face death? I speak life because I live in life. I live in a place where I release life in my, in, in, in my, atmosphere, in my sphere of influence. You see, as believers, we cannot doubt in the absolute, supernatural power of the cross. We cannot doubt it. See, the cross, the instrument of death, became the power through which life of God started flowing to, to the world. Isn't that amazing? I said to someone the other day, uh, it's amazing if you look at all the people in life who, are, who made it, who celebrities in life, who, the great men and women, and, and you look at where they started out and how they came from nowhere and became something. And how God can take a nothing and make it more than a something. That's God's heart. You see, the power of that cross didn't stop Jesus. It didn't stop him. He defeated it. But the power also didn't stop when Jesus was taken off of that cross and walked out of the grave. No, no. It is more powerful today than ever. The scripture says his presence, his power is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The same power that rose Jesus from the dead is still in us today. It functions through our lives. Now, if God could turn death to life for three men in a deadly fire, He can turn and reverse the power of things in our lives. He can. He can. You see, there might be a, a, there might be a giant shouting at you today like David. There might be you might face an ocean in front of you and an enemy attacking you at the back of you. Or you might have to fight off a strong army with only a handful of, of opportunities around you. God still didn't change. His power didn't change. His, his authority didn't change on this earth. See, we don't have to fight death when we know the power of life. And that's what we walk in, in this earth. We don't have to. We don't have to. Now in the book of Numbers, now <clears throat> I want to finish with this. We see a prophetic picture. We see a prophetic picture of Jesus who would be on a cross. And, and the story is the following, and I'm just going to read it with you, and I'll speak further on that. Numbers two, 21, verse 4 to 9, it says, Then the people of Israel set out, from Mount Hall, taking the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient with the journey, and they began to speak against God and Moses. Now, now this was about 38 years after they sent spies into the promised land. 38 years they were traveling around the desert. Traveling around the desert. And this happened. They went around this land of Edom, and they grew impatient. Sounds like something that happened a lot with the Israelites. The, the Israelites. Then, then they said, why have you brought us here, brought us here out of Egypt to, to die here in the wilderness? Moses, they complained. <laughs> there is nothing to eat here, nothing to drink, and we hate this horrible manner. Oh my goodness. <laughs> this sounds like people very frustrated. So the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and many were bitten and died. Then the people came to Moses and cried out, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Let's moan and, and shout at the leader 
When you shout at the man of God, they shouted at God. And God sent us poisonous snakes, and then they ran back and said, okay, sorry, we're sorry. Please pray that God will take away the, the snakes. And that's what happened. Pray that the Lord will take away the snakes. So Moses prayed for the people. Isn't that amazing? Then the Lord told him, make a replica of a poisonous snake and attach it to a pole. And who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. If they simply look at it. So Moses made a snake out of a bronze and attached it to a pole. Then anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and be healed. Isn't that amazing? Great story. We all know this story. This is amazing to see everything that happened in the Old Testament was pointing to Jesus. If you read the Bible, the whole Old Testament was pointing to the moment of the cross, pointing to that moment where everything will be reversed so that we can benefit from grace and freedom. Now, the Israelites, they messed up again. <laughs> they messed up. And they could have been in the promised land 38 years ago. But instead, because they moaned and complained and they were fearful, they had to travel around in the desert. Travel around eating the manna that God provided. A miracle. It was still a miracle. It was still a miracle that they'd said this horrible manna. They could even say, Lord, how can we still eat this horrible miracle that you've given us? <laughs> it's incredible. But they melted down and they complained. And, and I thought, well, did they learn now, by now? So every time they complained through the desert, a lot of people died. And they kept on complaining and kept on complaining. And God came through the grace of Moses, kept blessing them and saving them, although some people died. So God sent poisonous snakes into this camp. But as soon as the people realized what they did, they fell to the ground. They prayed to say, oh, please, Moses. Pray to God. And God said the following, make this bronze snake, place it on a pole, on a pole. And as the people will look at it, I love this, they look at it, they will be healed. As they look upon the bronze symbol on a pole, they will be saved, they will be healed. Now wasn't this just prophetic? It's an incredible prophetic moment where people didn't realize that this was prophesying what Jesus would do on the cross. This would prophesy the powerful thing that will happen on the cross. They just had to look. Now, why is this so powerful? They could have shouted. They could have said something. They could have prayed a prayer. They could have ran to the cross and touched it. They could have done so many things. But what did the scripture say? It says, if they only look at it. If they only look at it. I want you to get this this morning. This is very powerful. In John 3, Jesus quoted this. He quoted this scripture and he applied it to himself. Look at this. And Jesus says this. This is a quoting by Jesus. I'm reading from Passion Translation. He says, And just as Moses in the desert lifted up the brass replica of a snake on a pole for all the people to see and be healed. Listen. To see and be healed. To see and be healed. So the Son of Man is ready to be lifted up so that those who truly believe in Him will not perish but be given eternal life. There's more. 
For this is how much God loved the world. Now you all know John 3.16. He says, He gave this one and only unique son as a gift. As a gift. So now everyone who believes in him will never perish, but experience everlasting life. And then he says, God did not send his son into this world to judge and to condemn the world, but to be its savior and rescue it. You see, God came and he judged the Israelites with snakes that bite, bit them and killed them. And how did his mercy look like? He said, put up a, a bronze replica of a snake and a pole, and as they look upon it, I reverse the judgment to a place of, of grace. I reverse the judgment in our lives to a place of you are free. You see, that's what we are walking in today as we look upon the cross. It's not just a cross that happened, something we remember. It's an ongoing, powerful moment, what God did in our lives. Just as God reversed the judgment of the snakes by placing a sign on Paul, if the people looked upon it, Jesus says today that God is about to reverse judgment when I'm hanging on that cross. He's about to reverse the judgment that you have in your life. Now, if we look at Him and exalt Him, now there's actually a scripture in the Bible that says to look upon means to exalt. To exalt. It's amazing, isn't it? Jesus says, if you look upon me or exalt me above everything, you will be saved. You will be saved. Now, this is so much power. There's so much power on the cross. If you think it is, I think we are just starting to really grasp the true power of the cross. Really. We are just grasping the weight of the price Jesus really paid for us. I believe it's time to stop trying to work our way to the cross, to work our way out of things in our lives, to work our way into a place where, Lord, if I just do all this, then you might hear me today if I pray. If I just do all these things, then I might be good enough to lead something in your kingdom or to lead a, a Bible study group or to do this. If I do this, I can do that. Now see, the Israelites didn't have to do anything but see. They didn't have to do anything. They messed up, yes. They were judged, yes. And then God says, the only thing for you to be free from this poison is to see. Now to see is something that gives us revelation. If we see the power of the cross, when we look at the cross, something are freed in our lives something are released in our lives of how we pray, how we read our Bible, how we speak about God. And we are freed from religious thoughts, sickness, death in our lives are changed to life and freedom. You see, so many times in our lives we want to do to receive. Come on, I've been here so many times. I want to do all these things to receive all these things from God. I just but God says, I just want you to look at me. If you look at me and what I've done, you will receive my goodness and my grace. How do we look at him? I always say intimacy means into me see. Do you hear that? Intimacy with God is into me see. I want to see more of you. God says, when you want to have intimacy with me, I want you to see in me. 
See more of me. See you in my life. See you in, my wor- in your work. See me in your finances. See me in your, fa- in your family. See me in the greatest challenge you've been facing. See me in it. And if you see me in it and you look upon the power of the cross, something amazing happens. Something amazing happens. I've been in, in a moment where, where I had a friend of mine who, <laughs> who, died, who died taking a, a jump in front of me on a mountain bike. He was riding and he took a big jump and he f- lost his front wheel and he fell on his head and, and he literally was dying in my arms. And I didn't know what to do because it was a fearful moment. And, uh, and in that moment you, you sit there and all I could get out with kids running around me, just wanting to call 911, you know, it's like 911 in South Africa doesn't work. But that's how fearful the situation was. And I just sat with him in my arms, and he was literally, his breath was starting getting slower. And his eyes were literally, and say, I didn't know what to do. And I had medical um, training. And all I could do was say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And as I said that, his breathing went from, and I just didn't know what to do. And all I knew what to do was say, thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Which felt like an ages. Suddenly he sat up, up straight. And he said, what happened? And I said, you just fell. And I didn't know what happened. (laughs) He said, oh, where am I? He said, no, you're here on the track because he built all the tracks down in Pottersrum where we grew up. And, and he said, you built all these tracks. You're on this, this, this track. And he said, did I do that? And I thought, okay, this sounds like a well, concussion. And, and I called his wife and she came and fetched him and she took him. And I went home and I had some sugar water. And I was like, Whew, what happened? And I said to my wife, this is the weirdest thing. And I've never seen concussion because I worked with rugby guys all my life. And I've never seen concussion like that. That's quite weird. And late at night, he calls me. About 10 o'clock, he calls me. He says, Henny, I just came from the hospital. They did scans. It's not a small little, um, little bit of blood. One of place where I hit my head. But, but yeah, nothing. I mean, the doctor said he might, I might have some concussion, but nothing wrong with me. But he said, Henny, there's other weird thing that I, that I just found out. I took my... my my polar watch and I'd uploaded to my computer and there was no heart rate for a minute and a half. Any, I was gone. And as I'm praying now, I can remember I stood and looked at you holding me. <laughs> he said, I'm, 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 I'm a little bit freaked out at the moment, but let's have coffee tomorrow. And I realized that for a minute and a half, this man died. He was gone. I didn't pray a holy prayer. I just looked to Jesus. I didn't do anything. I didn't run around. I didn't, I didn't quote Bible scriptures. I didn't do anything. I just looked at the cross. And the power of what Jesus paid for came and made the difference. I didn't say, yes, I rose someone from the dead. <laughs> no, no. Jesus paid for the death the dead, on the cross, and he gave us life. And when we proclaim his name, when we proclaim his name into situations, whatever, life needs to come. And that's exactly what happened. 
And I want to encourage us this morning that, that we don't just look at a cross that's hanging in a, in a room or around our necks or, or a, a little Bible story of a cross on a children's Bible. No, no. It is a powerful moment in the history of the world. And there will never be as powerful moment in the history of the world was that defining moment on the cross where God reversed the power from death to life, from sin to freedom. From anxiety to joy, from sickness to health. I can go on and on. There was a reversal of authority on that cross that we can't change, we can work for, we can pay for. We got it for free. It was a free gift to us. And I want to pray with us this morning and I want to invite you to stand as I close. I know it was a, a short, shorter word, and, but I truly feel that as I, as I worked through this, this word and as I prepped some of it, it's not something that I normally preach, and we probably need to preach this more, because this is so much, so much, this is such powerful things that we can't go without it. But I really felt that there's a shift in in, in the kingdom, there's a shift in, in, the, in the body of Christ from a place where we look at external things and move to a place where we focus on the internal things where the big change happened. You see, internally I need to get to a place where I believe when I look and see. When I believe that God has paid everything for me so that I don't have to pay anymore. I don't have to step out all these religious things in my life. Yes, I need to read my Bible. I need to come to church. I need to fellowship. There's some things that I want to do, but I don't do that because I want to be more spiritual. I do that because I love Him. We love Him. So, Father, I pray this morning with, with us. And Father, we, we want to repent for, for times where we downplay the cross. And Lord, we want to look upon the freedom of the cross. We want to look upon the, the power of the cross this morning into our lives. And for the Father, no matter if giants are shouting at us or armies are attacking us or, or are we facing a sea and we don't know how we're going to get through that thing in our lives, no matter what challenge, no matter what thing in our lives, we know that when we gaze upon the true liberty, the true cross, the freedom of the cross, we know that there is power being reversed from death to life. There is power being released in our lives. Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you that as we, as we pray this, Father, we know that, that no thing in life is greater than you, Jesus. No thing in life has more power than that moment that you released authority and power on the cross. And Father, I thank you this morning that you are in control, Father. You are King of kings. You are Lord of lords. I want to invite you this morning, if you are standing, whatever you are standing before, Whatever is facing you today, <clears throat> sickness, challenges, things in your life, things that's, that's, 
that's weighing heavy on your shoulders. That's not supposed to. Because on the cross, Jesus took every weight upon his shoulders. Every weight upon his shoulders. So that we can be free from everything. I want you to just maybe put your hand on your heart this morning. Or maybe you want to put your hands in the air. That's fine. Just says, I want to be included in this prayer this morning. That this thing that's weighing me down, this thing that is that is that I'm struggling to face in my life. Lord, I'm declaring today that you've reversed that authority from death to life. You have reversed the power from no hope to absolute victory, absolute hope. Father, I thank you that you come this morning, every sickness, bow its knee in Jesus' name. Every financial challenge, bow its knee in Jesus' name. Lord, every relational issue, come to life in Jesus' name. Jesus, I ask that you come and and enter the situation right now. And that death will exit as you enter. Thank you for a miracle this morning. Thank you for miraculous shifts of seasons. Thank you for a change of death to life. And when we speak life, when we speak freedom, we gaze upon a cross, we look upon a cross and realize that there's nothing we can do that you've already done, Lord. Thank you, Father. Why don't you just, if you're here this morning and you've got something you're trusting God for to be healed, I really believe that we need to pray for for healing this morning. Maybe there's a friend or somebody that you're trusting God for healing this morning and maybe you know exactly where the pain or the issue is. Wouldn't you just, for them, stand in a gap this morning and put your hand in that place. Are we going to pray for them this morning? Thank you, Lord. Just receive whatever He has for you this morning. It's in a place of community, in a place of fellowship right right now that His presence comes in like a wave. But we need to receive that. It's time to switch on that receiver. Father, I command every sickness this morning to bow its knee. In the name of Jesus. And I speak to every pain in Jesus' name, go. Lord, every uncurable disease, we command that thing to bow its knee to the name of Jesus. And I thank you that you are in control, Father. 
Lord, I thank you for your grace that comes and flood this place. I thank you for your presence that comes in and flood this place in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I pray for your peace that surpasses all understanding, like Paul said. And we don't have to be anxious about anything, but when we pray, when we come to you, Father, when we look at the cross, there is peace that surpasses all understanding in our lives that comes in right now. Thank you, Father. Yes, Jesus. There we go. There we go. Thank you, Jesus. you, Lord, for your presence. It's more precious than anything in this world. More precious than silver or gold or anything we might own in this world. Your presence is more, more precious. More precious than that. I just experienced that some of you this morning that if you think about life, you feel dark clouds are surrounding you and I just see how, how the light of the sun and the presence of God comes and shine through that clouds and how the cloud starts breaking up and sometimes that clouds is a, is a sign and a token of Lord there's no hope, I can't see the end of my issues, I can't see the end of this, I can't see the opportunities that people are speaking about I can't see the promises that, that, that your word promise but I see how it breaks open and the light of God's presence comes and shines into your life. And you can see how the breakthrough comes. You can see how the breakthrough comes. Father, I pray for that breakthrough right now. Father, where we don't see any hope of any change, of any shift, you come and you say, I just want you to look upon the cross. Because when the Israelites were bitten by a snake who, who they know for certain they would die, they only knew that when I look upon the cross, no poison is greater than what you've given us, Father. Father, I pray for hope this morning where people have lost hope in their lives, that hope will return as we look upon the cross, Father. Lord, I pray for testimony upon testimony of situation that is dire and filled with death and darkness. I pray for testimonies where light and life has come and has changed the situation. Lord, I pray for a smile on our faces that we will realize that we've been smiling more, where we've been sad all the time. Thank you, Jesus. Last week, Sunday, I prayed for a lady who, who had brain issues. So she started forgetting, and and, and doctors thought it might be, it might be um, um, what do you call it? Not Alzheimer's, yeah, well, yeah, Alzheimer's. And um, as I started praying for her, I could see how God started rewiring her brain. And I didn't really do anything. I just said, Lord, I thank you for your life that comes. 
And the tears started flowing and I could see how God touched her. And in that moment, I realized I can't do anything. I can't cure Alzheimer's. I can't cure anything. But when I gaze upon the cross, <laughs> I know that he did something already. He did everything. I want to encourage you this morning as I close. and just, I want to encourage you, if you need prayer this morning, I want to pray for you. I want to pray and, and, and trust God with you that, that there will be a shift. And that we will see more miracles, signs and wonders. Why? Because we gaze upon a cross. We look upon a cross where everything was defeated. Amen. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstellenbosch.co.za.